Welcome to Stop Christian Nationalism, a podcast that is dedicated to the resistance against the growing movement to force Christianity on everyone in America using the power of government. This is the first episode of the second season of the podcast. The last episode of the first season was about six months ago in the weeks after the midterm elections of 2022. On the whole, those elections were a repudiation of Christian nationalism. Christian nationalist candidates like Kerry Lake and Doug Mastriano mostly lost their elections, but there were notable exceptions, such as Christian nationalist J.D. Vance, who won election to represent Ohio in the United States Senate. Christian nationalism didn't take the hint. Christian nationalist politicians and organizations have continued to advance their extreme religious agenda through state and local government, through violence on the streets. Just days after the end of this podcast's first season, former President Donald Trump had dinner with Christian nationalist and American Nazi Nick Fuentes. This wasn't the first time Donald Trump and his campaign had associated with known Nazis. And the consequences of Trump's Nazi contacts go far beyond a theoretical weakening of America's opposition to violent totalitarianism. Donald Trump's public association with Nazi allies has encouraged violence by Nazis on America's streets. Just last week, a man with Nazi tattoos, including a swastika and the SS logo, shot and killed eight people and wounded seven others at a shopping mall near Dallas, Texas. The man wrote furious tirades online against Jews and wore a patch with the acronym RWDS. That stands for right-wing death squads. He's not alone in wearing that patch. Right-wing death squad has become a popular label among American Nazi extremists in the Christian nationalist movement. And as this attack in Texas shows, it's not a joke. The same anti-Semitic hatred that motivated the Dallas killer also drove Jack Texera to betray the United States by sharing large numbers of top-secret documents that revealed to Russia the vulnerabilities of Ukraine and the international pro-Ukraine alliance. These were American top-secret documents. Texera wrote Christian nationalist screeds alongside his revelations of top-secret documents and filmed violent footage of himself screaming anti-Semitic insults while going through training exercises in the woods with a variety of guns. His plan, he wrote, was to start a civil war in the United States in which members of the military and right-wing militias would come together to kill blacks, Jews, liberals, and LGBTQ Americans. 
His goal was to replace American democracy with a Nazi Christian nationalist dictatorship. As this podcast explained in its first season, anti-Semitism is rooted in Christian nationalist ideology. Christian conspiracy theories against Jews originated in the New Testament of the Christian Bible itself and were promoted by Christian priests and politicians as far back as the Roman Empire. The genocide of the Nazi Third Reich was merely the largest version of a genocidal violence against Jews that has been part of Christianity from the very beginning. Note the connection to the Christian doctrine of the curse of Ham. The curse of Ham goes all the way back uh, to the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. It was reinterpreted by slave owners. Um, to justify the idea that um, Europeans could own people of African descent and could persecute Jews who were supposedly also cursed um, to be inferior to um, Europeans and their American descendants. So while Christian nationalists are doubling down on their violent extremism, and using the Christian Bible to support it, the rest of America is taking note of what they're doing and is talking about the dangerous direction taken by Christian religious organizations. A Gallup poll this year found that two out of three Americans believe that Christian priests and preachers do not have high ethical standards and can't be trusted, to be honest. The portion of Americans who are non-religious is at a record high. Somewhere between 30 and 40% of Americans across the country, including the Deep South, do not practice any religion at all. However, less than 4% of the members of Congress we have in Washington, D.C. are non-religious. That's a huge discrepancy. There has never ever been a non-religious president or member of the U.S. Supreme Court. Christian nationalism among the American people is widely unpopular, but it holds an unrepresentative degree of power in the U.S. federal government. Now, not only do fewer Americans identify as Christian these days, but Americans also regard religion as less important than they used to. Just this week, the Public Religion Research Institute reported that only 16% of Americans surveyed said that religion is the most important thing in their lives. That's 16%, not 60%. And it's not just Republicans who are spreading Christian nationalist ideology. In this kind of countercurrent to what's going on in the body of the American people uh, in general, we have politicians promoting Christian nationalism with a fervor that we have never seen before. And Democrats, Democratic politicians, are joining the Republicans in doing this. For example, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a Democrat, has been loudly proclaiming 
that residents of New York City and Americans in general should recognize that they are under the power of Christianity, not democratically elected government. Here's what Mayor Adams said. Don't tell me about no separation of church and state. State is the body, church is the heart. You take the heart out of the body, the body dies. When we took prayers out of schools, guns came into schools. You know, it's hard to know where to start with what he just said. Maybe we can start with the most specific claim that he made, which is one that is about actual reality. He claimed that um, gun violence is related to um, the end of prayer in American public schools. Now, actually, there's not been an end of prayer in American public schools, just an end to forced prayer in American public schools, to government-mandated, coerced, imposed religious rituals. But there's this thing in reality, a basic principle, which is that the association of two events doesn't necessarily mean that those two events are correlated, right? So if it happens to be that it's raining and it's Tuesday, that doesn't mean that it being Tuesday caused it to rain. So in the same way, deaths in violent gun attacks are higher in the United States this year than they were last year. And you know what happened last year? Last year, Queen Elizabeth II of England died. That doesn't mean that the death of Queen Elizabeth caused an increase in deaths by gun violence in the United States this year. One thing happened and then another thing happened, but the first thing did not cause the second thing. But also, New York City Mayor Eric Adam just plain gets his facts wrong in what he's saying here. Statistics show that the current increase in the rate of murder using guns in the United States began less than 10 years ago. Not in 1962, which is when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional for public schools to force students to engage in Christian prayer rituals during the school day. In fact, for most of the last two decades, deaths from gun violence have actually been lower than they were when public schools were last allowed to force students to pray. So it's not just that um, association and causation of two events are not necessarily the same thing. It's that this trend in gun violence that Eric Adams identified isn't actually real. Um, so Eric Adams is saying with this uh, incorrect information and illogical inference that there uh, should be no more separation of church and state. In fact, he's also saying that the Christian God actually spoke to him and chose him to be mayor of New York City, that he had been appointed by the divine forces of heaven itself 
to rule over New York City, that it wasn't really the choice of the voters. Unfortunately, Eric Adams is not alone in saying this. His chief advisor, Ingrid Lewis Martin, uh, went on TV and doubled down on the mayor's attack against the separation of church and state, repeating his claim that Eric Adams was chosen by the Christian God and not by the people of New York City to be mayor. Many times it's said that one has to separate church from state, but we have an administration that doesn't believe in that. We have a mayor, who you will hear from shortly, who is definitely one of the chosen. How does Ingrid Lewis Martin know what she's talking about here? How does she know that Eric Adams was appointed by the Christian God to be mayor of New York City? How could she possibly know that? Did this God also visit her and have a political conversation with her? If so, what is preventing this God of Christianity from making another appearance in front of the rest of the people of New York State, New York City, just to set the record straight? Why won't this Christian God ever show up to confirm what his believers say he said? That's what an ordinary kind of human politician would do, right? Well, let's think this through. Eric Adams and Ingrid Lewis Martin have proposed that the power of church and government should no longer be separate. Um, they have proposed that the power of religion and the power of government should be blended together, that they should be combined, that churches should have power over the government and government should be used to amplify the power of churches. Well, how would that work in practice? Think about that. When it comes to prayer, for example, this thing that Eric Adams seems to want to bring back, you know, nobody actually took prayer out of schools. It is perfectly legal and it is allowed in all American public schools for people, if they want to do some kind of prayer while they're in school, so long as they're not disrupting anybody else's educational experience by like, you know, screaming prayer while standing on top of a desk or something. I mean, so long as they're not disrupting anybody else's experience there, um, everybody is allowed to pray if they want to. Teachers can do prayer if they want to. What they can't do is coerce or force other people to join in with that. And they can't make it that this prayer is an official act of the public school, which is a branch of the government. It has to just be their own little private thing that they do in their own little private time in their own way. And honestly, that is what the Christian Bible actually says to do, not to make prayer this big, public, showy, dramatic spectacle, but hey, just do it in private, okay? Make it your own little personal thing. Don't be a show-off about it. Don't be so arrogant about your religion. That's what the Christian Bible actually says. Most Christian activists don't use prayer in that way. They use it as a great big performance 
full of pride, puffing themselves up because they're using it as a tool of power over other people. And that's why the Supreme Court ruled that, no, you cannot use public schools to force little children to engage in the rituals of your religion. You cannot force children to pray in a public school because public schools are for everybody, not just for Christians. So Eric Adams wants to end that. He wants to make government a Christian thing for Christians only so that governments can use schools, can use libraries, can use the police force, can use the courts to impose and force Christianity on everybody. He and his staff are proposing that the power of government be used to compel Americans, to force Americans to become Christians, making Christianity legally mandatory. That's Christian nationalism. And just because Eric Adams is a Democrat doesn't make it less of a problem. You know, you have to think about this. Why would Christianity need the power of government to keep it effective, to make this religion work anyway? Why would it need that? If there really is a Christian God who has absolute supernatural powers without end, wouldn't that God be able to just take care of his own religion on his own without government handouts and government regulation to prop up his failing churches? The idea that Christianity both has the support of an all-powerful God and is in desperate need of government assistance, well, that just doesn't make any sense, does it? But then again, Christian nationalism isn't about making sense. It's about grabbing as much power as possible through whatever means are available. And that includes taking advantage of people who are in vulnerable positions, extremely vulnerable positions, like people who are going through the court system, people who have been accused of crimes, people who are addicted to drugs. Okay. And here's another Democrat who is promoting Christian nationalism, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul. A few months ago, New York State Governor Kathy Hochul was handed a piece of bipartisan legislation. This was non-controversial legislation. It was passed by both houses of the New York State Legislature, and it simply... Um, requires New York state courts to follow um, both the Constitution and um, judicial precedent, uh, the precedents of the judicial branch, which is to say that you can't, as a judge, use your power to force people to uh, participate in religious rituals. You can't make that part of a punishment that comes down through the courts, specifically in the case of people who are addicted to drugs uh, or have some kind of problem with alcohol, right? And that often leads people to engage in criminal activity to get in trouble with the law. Addiction does. It's a serious thing. 
So there was this bill, and it simply prohibited the courts from requiring defendants to attend addiction recovery programs that force participants to agree with specific religious beliefs or engage in religious rituals. Like 12-step programs do this. They say, oh, well, you just have to believe in a higher power. But then they always end their meetings with the Lord's Prayer. Um, it's a Christian approach. And God is heavily pushed through programs like that. You know, the thing is, there is no practical reason for judges to send drug-addicted prisoners to religious addiction recovery programs. There's no need for that um, because those programs are actually not very effective. And this has been uh, known for quite some time. Nonetheless, Kathy Hochul vetoed this legislation. Uh, she decided that no, there should not be legislation that requires judges to allow defendants to go to secular, non-religious addiction recovery programs. Take a look at the actual research that's done, not by churches, not by religious organizations, but by actual academics. And you'll see that there's a real problem in addiction recovery programs that are dependent upon religion. And I will cite the research of a Christian researcher. This, this researcher was Christian. Dr. William R. Miller, a professor of psychology and psychiatry at the University of New Mexico, compared the success rates of religious and non-religious addiction recovery programs. And he found that programs without any religious component were more successful than the religious programs. What's more, he found that participants in addiction recovery programs that required religious belief or ritual activity were more depressed and anxious than participants in secular addiction recovery programs. So why would you choose to send somebody to a less effective religious addiction recovery program? And why would you use the power of government to do that? to force people to become religious. Well, it's pretty clear that addiction recovery programs are being used by religious organizations to take people who are in extremely vulnerable positions, who don't have any real choice, and to coerce them to become members of their organizations. Remember, these religious organizations take people's money. This is a money-making scheme. Now, in New York State, 46% of the residents are non-religious. Okay? Now, in spite of that, Governor Kathy Hogel wants judges to use the power of their courtrooms to force residents of New York State to join religious programs that take their money and that are almost ex exclusively Christian, that is Christian nationalism. That is using the power of government to promote Christianity with the presumption that Christians should have 
privileges, that Christian organizations should have power over people, that they should be able to use the power of government to extract money from us. They should be able to exploit our vulnerabilities. Christian nationalism is present in both political parties. And yes, it is worse in the Republican Party, but it is really bad in the Democratic Party as well, as you see in New York State politics. New York State, where, you know, Christianity is not as strong as it is in, let's say, Alabama or Arkansas. People in New York State know better than this. But political leaders like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams are using Christianity as a tool with which to wield political power. And it's a very cynical move. And it's very dangerous because Christian nationalism is fundamentally opposed to the freedom of religion. Christian nationalists want to have freedom for themselves, for Christianity, and for everybody else to have no freedom at all, no freedom of choice, no freedom of conscience. The religious beliefs, what's more, it's not just about power itself, but the content of these religious beliefs are a toxic mix of violence and unreality. And uh, I'll talk about a Reawaken America tour um, rally that was recently held. Amanda Grace was a speaker at one of these rallies. Uh, and uh, Reawaken America is a, an explicitly pro Donald Trump Christian nationalist organization. They had a rally down in Doral, Florida, uh, just this week, at which Amanda Grace was a speaker. And she declared at that rally that mermaids are real and are a threat to the United States because they are technologically advanced. Quote, I have never seen more images of more mermaids and water people in my life. And she warned the, the crowd that mermaids are a division in the kingdom of darkness. Uh, and then she urged the crowd to prepare to engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat against non-religious Americans, saying that there had to be a kind of warfare against us. This is incitement of violence. Let's listen to what she actually had to say, because it's one thing for me to tell you that she said this. It's really hard to believe, but here she is, in her own words, at a pro-Trump rally. There's wickedness attempting to completely cover this nation in perversion and seductive, seducing spirits. I have never seen more images of more mermaids and water people in my life. That's a division in the kingdom of darkness, and they're highly technologically advanced. And we have to understand what we're dealing with. And we have to understand the rules of engagement in spiritual warfare. And we are meant for hand-to-hand -hand combat. And we are meant to bring our cries before the throne of God to bring judgment on the rulers of darkness of this world and of this nation. Because the rulers have set up a throne in this nation. They've set it up. Darkness has completely covered and eclipsed the White House of this nation. It's kind of weird, the combination of authority and pure imagination that this speaker is using. 
uh, she talks about rules of spiritual warfare. Well, I'm sorry, who, who wrote the rules of spiritual warfare? Is there some kind of spiritual warfare um, department in the U.S. government? No. Is there a spiritual warfare association with serious, you know, thinkers, um, leaders in community organizations coming together to put together rules of spiritual warfare? No. Amanda Grace, who believes in mermaids, is just making these rules up. That's it. I mean, what kind of rules of spiritual warfare could there possibly be when the Christian nationalists urging crowds to commit acts of political violence against their neighbors also warn their followers to beware of demons and witches and mermaids and other strange magical creatures for which there is no evidence of any existence, okay? You know, this is crazy stuff. I really don't feel like I'm going out on a limb. I know people feel like using the word crazy is judgmental and I should merely talk about mental health. But I'm sorry, if you believe that mermaids are real and are a, an urgent threat for which we need to engage in training for hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, to, to fight off, um, I call that crazy. Uh, but I do not think that uh, just because these people are crazy that we should dismiss them. It is really easy to dismiss a movement of people who say that they are preparing to engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat with mermaids and demons. However, we have to take a look at what this rally was. This, this rally was personally endorsed by Donald Trump. The rally took place on his property, the property of Donald Trump in Doral, Florida. He authorized it to go there. And he actually called into this rally. It featured a, a live telephone call from Donald Trump who told the crowd, I want to thank you all for being there. Donald Trump wants to thank people for gathering together to organize against the mermaid menace. Okay, you know, um, that's easy to laugh at. But Donald Trump was elected president of the United States in 2016. And right now, he is the Republican frontrunner for the 2024 election. That's just next year. Ron DeSantis hasn't begun to run. He's afraid to run because Donald Trump is still in control of the Republican Party in spite of the fact that last November, the Christian nationalists, the pro-Trumpers, performed terribly in the midterm elections, okay? It's true that Trump associates with radical Christian nationalists who believe that mermaids are the most serious national security threat to the United States. Okay, that's true, but that has not kept him from seizing power before. In fact, Christian nationalism, uh, its willingness to use the most flamboyant conspiracy theories to motivate its followers has been a core aspect of its effectiveness. And you know what's really sad is that that effectiveness is assisted. The crazy mermaid theories, uh, the ideas that demons are a credible threat to the United States, 
That is supported when Democratic politicians like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams engage in acts of Christian nationalism themselves. When they promote these ideas of mixing religion and government, of you know, when they attack the separation of church and state, when they attack the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights in our Constitution, politicians like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams are helping demagogues like Donald Trump and their crazy mermaid-believing supporters. Christian nationalism is absolutely ridiculous, but also Christian nationalism is dangerous. We cannot afford to simply laugh at its ridiculousness because Christian nationalists are organizing right now to regain power with the wealth of big business behind them and the resources of American churches helping them along the way. And the latest political polls, and, you know, political polls shift over time, but right now they're showing that, yeah, Donald Trump really could win this against Joe Biden. And look, I'm not like some kind of Biden promoter. Biden has his flaws, but he's not organizing groups to go out and give speeches about what a menace mermaids and demons are to the United States. That is something Joe Biden is not doing. So, we're facing in the year 2023, moving forward to next year's presidential election, a group of people who believe in magical monsters attacking our country and who are using that kind of fear to justify their attacks against the freedoms that keep America from falling completely under the thumb of people who have a lot of power. Rich people like Donald Trump, multinational corporations. We have serious issues to deal with, like the growth of artificial intelligence uh, systems of software that are changing economic reality in our country. We need to address those problems. The return of Jesus Christ from the grave to rule over the earth in the defiance of the mermaid armies, that stuff is not what we really need to be dealing with in the United States. But there's a strong movement of people who are very enthusiastic. And they're enthusiastic precisely because they know that Christianity is losing popular support. That Christianity is losing followers because it's promoting crazy ideas like mermaids with advanced technology are a threat, that uh, demons are coming over us, that ancient prophets from halfway around the world thousands of years ago are going to return any day now, okay? And, you know, there's sexual abuse of children and financial impropriety, you know, extreme corruption, all kinds of abuses that have been going on way too long under the umbrella of extremist Christianity. 
So we have a lot to do because these people are desperate. Christian nationalists know that they have a limited amount of time to take back over the government because most of their support is with older Americans. Older Americans who are dying off, who are becoming less politically active year after year. And younger Americans simply aren't willing to put up with this nonsense. And they watch the trends. They know these facts as well as you and I do. They see which way it's going and they want to turn it back. They want to tamp down on our freedom. They want to put the clamp of their Christianity on top of our democracy and slowly crush it so that their churches can get the money and power that they feel that they're entitled to. This is not a problem that is going to go away easily. And as we are approaching the presidential election and the congressional and the governor's elections, statewide uh, elections as well, are all coming up next year. There's a lot on the line, and this is no time to sit back and simply ignore the problem, hoping that it's going to go away or laughing at it. So the second season of Stop Christian Nationalism is going to be coming uh, to you every week. And I just want to thank you for listening. Uh, we're going to be back week by week with the latest news about the movement to replace American democracy with Christian theocracy. We're going to be talking about Christian nationalism. And if you want to learn a little bit more about this project, you can go to the website of this podcast at stopchristiannationalism.com.